Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 5 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast that gives a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a film composer and the founder of ShockStreetHorror.com. And I'm Andy Stewart, I'm a filmmaker and a journalist and I do other things too. <laughs> and uh, we are delighted to be joined by our first ever international guest. Uh, she what? Is the, <laughs> I know, she is the hostess of uh, Fear House and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome Blair Bathory to the show. Blair, hello. Hi guys. Hi Blair. Hi Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, for anyone that, oh, sorry, just for anyone that doesn't know, uh, yeah, my films have appeared on Fear House in the past, um, so yeah, I know Blair fairly well. Oh yeah, most recently Ink, right, on uh, season two, episode one. The man's done his homework again. Number one, baby. Yeah. Blair, you didn't take much, like, it didn't take you long to choose one. You've gone for 1989's Leviathan. Yeah. Uh, for this week. So um, before we get into the actual movie itself, uh, tell us a little bit. What's your relationship with this film? Why have you chosen it tonight? Well, I've actually had a conversation before in the past, uh, drunkenly at a bar, about this movie. So I figured it would be the perfect one to discuss with you two because I've already defended it. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw this movie. It's actually one of the first horror movies I remember seeing, like okay. distinctly. Um, and I saw it before John Carpenter's The Thing. Right. So it actually holds a, a more special place in my heart than The Thing does, which I know I'll probably get a lot of shit for that. But I saw it first, so that's what it is. Yeah, I was really young when I saw it, and it scared the ever-living shit out of me. So <laughs> That's a kind of big statement we like, though, right out of the gate. I mean, that's what we're here for, right, is like to have visceral reactions to movies and that one definitely when i was about 10 or 11 years old scared me so. <laughs> um so one thing that we started doing last week that we're going to try and get you to do just now is um for the benefit of anyone who is listening to this episode of the show and hasn't seen the movie we're going to put 30 seconds on the clock and we're just going to ask you to, as quickly as possible, oh God. <laughs> uh, summarize it as best you can, right? You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, three, two, one, and go. go. So it's a group of divers, uh, international mining divers that um, stumble across a Russian submarine that's sunken from like the 1960s. And one of the, the drunken buffoon of the group um, brings back some fucking crazy alien mutated thing and the whole ship gets mutated and then there's like the bad guy that's in it for the money that well, like, sabotages. Yeah, out of time. That was oh, good. Fuck. That was no that was pretty good. I think that like And everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think to set I think to set the scene that's pretty good though. You got pretty far into yeah. that, I'll be honest with you. You got quite a lot you got through quite a lot there. So uh, let's dive in, and we begin sixteen thousand feet deep in the Atlantic Ocean. I believe Which is pretty deep. Pretty deep, that's yeah. Pretty deep, and that's yeah. a figure that I've only just remembered as being in the film because the events, as the events of the film transpire. Can I actually ask for 
a place to start in this conversation because I think it's actually one of the most underrated posters of a film that I've okay. ever seen. Oh, well, okay. Um, this is going to be your opening argument, I guess. Yeah, so I love the poster. Um, I don't know if it's like the theatrically released poster. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm a really big fan of Suspiria, and <laughs> I love that poster. Yeah, I know. It's a big fucking surprise because I just talk about it like a hundred million times a day on the internet. But anyway, side note, I now have the German special edition of Suspiria and it's gorgeous. Nice. Just saying. Anyway, so that poster, I'm really into like monochromatic posters and right. Leviathan is one of those. It's just like a really ominous poster and then also the tagline's really good how long can you hold your breath and that's well that is good <laughs> well it doesn't the poster really actually the poster doesn't give anything away which is good yeah <laughs> well, well actually given how uh, silly the monster looks i think that's maybe a good thing but uh, yeah i like when a poster it, it, it kind of doesn't yes. tell it doesn't really tell you anything apart from there's a woman in peril in the sea yeah but you can strike a balance yeah. between being eye-catching and also not get like not showing your hand a little too much about what's about yeah. to happen yeah exactly and I just think the name Leviathan is strong. such a strong name, a strong title for a film. So, yeah, that's my opening argument. Strong, strong. Okay, yeah, you're the first person to really, you're, I think you're the first person to mention the poster. Yeah, it's true. I also think the first person to come out of the gate with an actual proper reasoned argument rather than just flying into it with this. So that's good. Um, so, yeah, we, so we meet the, uh, the kind of the crew. Yeah. On board the uh, it's mining shack seven, I believe. <laughs> uh, with uh, three days left tri- to go. Trioceanic mining. Trioceanic mining. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've got Steve Beck. Steve Beck. Yeah. He's our main man. Yeah, he's uh, played by Peter Weller, Buckaroo Banzai himself. It's nice to have a, a Peter Weller film back on the show. Yeah, he's our first. He's our first recurring yeah. main character actor. I, I think I've got to be honest. I'm developing a bit of a crush on Peter Weller. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got he's a real kind of he's got real kind of snake hips. Uh, you see them in this like he's kind of he's wearing those really kind of eighties trousers that they they come up quite high, they're cut quite tight at the waist, and they're a bit looser just below that. Not like a parachute pant, somewhere be- between a parachute pant and a regular trouser. I was watching it and I said he's got really he's quite snake hipped. I'm finding him quite foxy. Kind of feel like this is something that you need an entire bonus episode to yourself just to talk about now. Kind of feel like this is something you need to explore in your own time. <laughs> um, I mean, young young Peter Weller is pretty attractive. I'm not gonna lie. He's like 70 years old now, but <laughs> yeah, back is, in yeah. the, back in the day, yeah, back yeah. in the day, Ro- RoboCop, yeah. He's just starting something. Yeah, yeah I, like, I like when he's bald and we got a bullet hole on his head. <laughs> so, um, it's a pretty decent-sized crew, all pretty strong characters, I think. And amazingly strong cast, by the way. Really strong uh, cast. Really strong cast. Right? Amazing. Right? Yeah, you've got, yeah. You've got Peter Weller, like we said. You've got Daniel Stern. Who, and I, he's my favorite character. He's the one that's the fuck up, and he's the one that brings the whole thing on the ship. Six pack. Um, six pack, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I actually found the six pack to be an editor. And am I wrong? Is he the? Is he one of the sticky bandits from? He is one of the sticky Home bandits. Alone? Yeah, he's Marv. Okay, that's yeah. what I always yeah. thought. Uh, he, he also. Um, he's one of those actors that's like face actors, like you remember his face from a bunch of shit. 
He's also the but, like you don't remember his name. He's the narrative <laughs> voice in the Wonder Years. What? Yeah, I know. I only Burn. found this. I only found this Blow out a couple of weeks fucking, ago as well. Blow your fucking mind. But yeah, he's the narrative voice in the Wonder Years. He's adult Kevin in the Wonder okay. Years, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, also he was in. Uh, he was in Chud, which we watched not long ago, and I always think that he looks like he came directly from the set of Chud to this. Yeah, he's just as dirty looking. Yeah, he. I found him to be irritating. I found him very off-putting. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every word out of his mouth, I was like cringing. Oh, that like, makes oh, sense God. that he's my favorite character. Yeah. I thought he was irritating. He's so. a pretty sketchy guy, to be fair. Yeah, he is pretty. That's pretty. why I related to him. <laughs> oh, okay. Imagine being fucking trapped under the ocean with him. Oh God. I want to get to something quickly. Um, I'd... he's also oh. the only one that had liquor on board the ship, Andy. You would appreciate that. Well, yeah. Yeah, like he, uh, after your six month leave living <laughs> uh, under the sea for six months like he would be my best fucking friend but, like, uh, I, I would kill him and drink his liquor because I can't I can't stand this chat um, early on we have an incident we have an incident where um, uh, it's De Jesus, the character De Jesus runs out of oxygen or almost runs out of oxygen I tell you what it comes out swinging with that scene because my heart was in my fucking mouth it's a really Andy, strong had opening. you seen it before? Do you know what, Blair? I thought I had seen it, right? I, th- I, don't, I still feel like I might have. I feel like I'm muddying it up with, like, Deep Star 6 and the Abyss and all that in, in, in my head. But when I watched it, I was like, I don't think I've seen this. Yes! I picked a movie neither of you have seen. Neither of us. Yeah. Neither of us. But then part of me... Wow, because, I feel fucking accomplished. It's another it, first. It's another first. Because it is so similar to, like, Deep Rising and Deep Star Mitch, 6. Mitch, you'll learn r- rather quickly there's a lot of firsts with me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and fair from that what you will listen so um but then straight after that right there's an there's an argument like a heated argument amongst the crew and there's there's something in here that i kind of liked which was you see this kind of like, like say these guys these really big personalities clashing and then you cut yeah. to what you assume is beck peter weller's character interjecting and kind of trying yeah. to put a stop to it but what he's actually doing is he's, he's reciting what he's gonna say into a mirror because he's got yeah. kind of like leadership problems and confidence problems about the leadership and things like that <laughs> yeah he's really struggling with his command and he's uh reading from a book called the one minute manager i I really like that. <laughs> he's learning on the job, which is admirable, but then he's having to contend with fucking guys like Six Pack and the, the doctor who thinks he's thinks he's a real card, who by the way is played by Richard Krenner from the Rambo movies, who's yep. fucking great in this. Yeah. So yeah, so I I, I kinda so like the fact he was actually yep. the creepiest character to me. I, I thought he had a lot of dimension to him, yeah. er, his character. Who am I? They uh, all do. Uh, the, they all do. The cast is so Doc. Doc. strong. Ernie Hudson uh is in this film. Ernie Hudson is Winston Zedmore in Ghostbusters. He is amazing in this film. He is absolutely yeah. amazing. He's the mo- he's the MVP here. Blair, what you're saying about Doc, I agree with. I thought that he was uh, one of the more interesting characters to watch as the film unfolded. Uh, yeah. Because I, th- I kind of feel like, regardless of whether or not he's doing anything sketchy or suspicious, I think that there's a sketchy or suspicious undercurrent to the way he acts quite a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and well, I, I really enjoy that. He has some cool. kind of shadowy past. Am I right in thinking that? There's, there's something going on in his... I think that's right. Which is meant now that he has to work under the sea. Under DC. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's gone under the sea because of some sort of like medical negligence thing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's what it was. So yeah, he's, he's so he's, he's probably the character that gets the most backstory potentially. I would say. I mean, I think I feel like this film draws so heavily from Alien that it's almost laughable at points. What? I'll get to that. I've got a list of things that are uh, blatantly oh, from I hope Alien. Oh, he has a list. <laughs> but uh, I feel like <laughs> this this fucking guy. I feel like Doc. this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> you said it yourself. Expected. It's Andy fucking Stewart. You said it yourself, Mitch. If the job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. right. Now, there is a lot of similarities in this film to Alien, The Thing, 
Andy Abyss, and then later on at the very end, there's a bit of Jaws, which we'll come to. We'll get to that. Doc kind of takes on the Ash role from Alien later on. Oh, uh huh, yeah. And that's just one of many Alien comparisons that I can draw, that I will draw. It's not necessarily an unfavorable comparison, though. No. It wears its influences on its sleeve, I feel. See, when um, Beck interjects and eventually, you know, he kind of like he settles down in the group and they talk about putting in the extra hours so they can have the day off the next day and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, what you've seen and what I think is kind of interesting also about the. Very like by, by the way, yep. Brent is due in two days and my roommate just quietly walked into the house put seven hundred dollars on the table and just walked out and i kind of feel like a mobster right now <laughs> you just, just like seven hundred big ones just just sitting, sitting right there while I'm, while I'm chatting with you guys. just a bag just a bag of change that's like no. a small change. <laughs> that's that is, that is quite possibly more money than I've ever seen in one place. Ever. Oh. Take what you want from that. But, um, wow, that's kind of sad. So, uh, I know, I know. If any of our listeners want to pay Palmet some money. I mean, for, uh, for Christ's sake, guys, I'm 31 years old. Jesus. <laughs> oh, but no, what I wanted to... What I wanted... <laughs> um, right, reverting back from my sad life to uh, this film. Yeah, uh, so I think it's kind of cool that uh, Beck is not a conventional alpha male leader kind of thing. No, he's not. Um, so at this point, once he shouts down the group and kind of talks them around to go and do the extra hours and that kind of thing at the start, at this point, what do we think of him as a leader and as a protagonist? Blair, are you first? Um, who are we talking We're talking about Doc right now? Uh, Beck. Are we talking about Peter Weller? Yeah, Peter oh, Weller. Beck, yeah. Peter Weller. I relate to him a lot because, you know, the imposter syndrome thing. Yep. I think every leader has that moment where they think, and Andy, I think you can relate to this, where you question if you're good enough and if mm. you are, were the right person to be chosen for the job, right? That, that's, why, that's why, honestly, I love this movie so much because it's one of the few horror films, in my opinion, that has really dimensional characters where there's, they're kind of anti-heroes at the same time. Like, Peter Weller's not perfect, or Beck's character isn't perfect, and the six-pack guy is, like, not obviously perfect, and, like, all the women, <laughs> the, the, ca- the female cast is, like, the one lady, I forget her character name, Willie, maybe? Willie, that's she's right. The yeah, one, Willie. Yeah, Willie. She's the one that um, has the really creepy shower scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. she's crying in the shower. Yes. Oh, that one gets me so bothered. I don't know what it is about. I don't know. her. That whole scene freaks me out. So the scene in the craft where the blonde girl is losing her fucking hair, that oh, yeah, scene yeah. and this shower scene irk me to my core. Out of any film I've ever seen, like, that body horror moment. Like, ugh, I hate it. Um, well, there's a lot of things in this that kind of spoke to, spoke to me quite strongly. That yes, get... I'm so surprised you've never seen it. But have I seen it? I feel, still feel like, even when I was watching it, I was like, If you I've had seen, seen it, this. you would have fucking remembered it. And then it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Then two minutes later, I was like, nah, I've, not, I've definitely not seen this. To this point, exactly right now, I still don't know if I had seen it before I watched it. Are you guys drinking Buckfest? No, it's just, regu- just regular wine. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you like should fr- have drank some in my honor. I like a fairly massive stereotype, but I'm not that big a stereotype. Uh, showers, horrible shower scenes. Yeah, um, no, I, th- um, I think you're right. That, in fact, both of the shower scenes in this freaked me, yeah. freaked me all the way out. And I, th- I think that, um, just in general, I think in the first half, uh, the kind of the kind of build before it turns into kind of a full blown creature feature, I think is a lot of it is really well done. A lot of it's yeah, really well so, handled. Yeah, so so that'll bring into my next point why I really like this movie. So I've always really liked films in general, but specifically horror films that have an element of questioning sexuality and talking about sex in general. And like, there's such a strong undertone of that in the film okay and Uh, when the well because the people are literally melding together like literally and like aren't buzz and willie fucking 
if I remember correctly. Should have watched this goddamn movie before I came on here <laughs> again. Buzz, but... Uh, but Buzz is a six packs name. Okay, yeah. Buzz yeah. is six packs first name. Who are we talking about here? Are you talking about six pack? Six six pack. Yeah, Buzz six pack. Six pack and Willie are fucking. No, is he not? Yeah. Is he not doing something with Bowman? I think he's trying to. He, he just hit... he spends a lot of time. I, I think he's trying to hit it and quit it with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think, to be honest, I don't feel like six packs very picky. No, no. no. There's that moment when he goes to bed before he finds the, the sea spider thing. And uh, he even tries it on with a kind of centerfold. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he goes, ooh, <laughs> come on, baby, sit on my face. And it's just like, ah, he's even disgusting when there's no one around. <laughs> like, what would you do if you were up top? I'd be drinking brew and eating pussy. You're just like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Give it a break, man. Was that <laughs> your American accent? That was that my... Was... Did you like that? Wow. Uh, if you'd listened to the Rawhead Rex episode, there's some, you, you, you'd be reeling at the, the quality of my uh, Irish accent, I can tell you. Oh, God, yeah. Well, no, that's, that's I can't. I have tried several times to replicate a Scottish accent, and I can't. So you guys are better than I am with accents. Perhaps that should be a new segment, Mitch. <laughs> well, we just get people to try accents arbitrarily. <laughs> Is that what you like Scottish accents. Um, um, one of my favourite things about this film was that it wasn't shot in the water. <laughs> they, they had a, a dry for wet approach to to the actual shoot which now that i know that when i think about the way they're acting under the water and the slow way that they're walking it makes me fucking piss myself that, laughing that being said though if, if like i think I, they did a great job if you told me if if we'd sat down and you'd said actually they'd shot it underwater i'd have been like yeah okay but now that you, you don't know, think it's believable yeah i would have bought it if you told me that but now you've said it, i can't unsee it but if you just said yeah this was shot underwater i'd be like yep okay now that I you believe know, that. everyone is walking really slowly and really mechanically like if you were to do, if you were to do a film with an astronaut and you were you were to go like you know what an astronaut moves like Walk now on the moon. you're on the moon and they're going oh boy boing and he's making as, some and he's making some hand gestures right now which yeah, is um, really useful for an audio medium um, <laughs> but um yeah so so yeah it wasn't shot underwater which like i say but like i said i don't think that it's especially unconvincing if you don't know that and if i don't not, think it takes away no if you're not watching for it you don't notice right, fine <laughs> i just want to say right now i genuinely really like this film yeah <laughs> Same. One thing that happens not long after this, we have I I really like this, and there's a couple of things. This is vaguely spoilery. In fact, it's hugely spoilery. But um, uh, we have Beck's inter- first interaction, like by video conference, with the CEO of the Trioceanic Company. That uh, is it, oh. Miss Martin. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and I think that like the company's eventual betrayal of the crew is really easy to spot because every time you speak to Miss Martin, she says something that is just shows an absolutely yeah. like hilariously <laughs> clinical disregard for human life. Like, dismissive. Yeah. Because I remember like uh, when they're talking about it's it's Doc in the first one mm-hmm. uh, where they're talking about um, what he'd done that meant that he'd been kind of like cast out in disgrace from medicine and he ended up there. And um, they say something. It's like oh, she he killed several people, but it all got blown out of proportion. Um, but later on, there's something else as well she was like oh what if it turns out to be nothing and people had already died so i think that like she was already treating like human casualties as being fairly expendable so but i really but i really like those scenes though i thought she was pretty good evil lynn uh, meg foster is great in this as well everyone's really really good her eyes are fucking amazing yeah uh, everyone's bringing it performance wise she is cold she has those cold metallic eyes can't get enough of them (laughs) (laughs) sorry andy was having a moment about the old lady in the movies yeah (laughs) 
There's <laughs> think another thing that I think you need a bonus episode on yourself by yourself to talk about. The many, the many. Talk about the the older people in films and how attracted Andy is to them. Beautiful's beautiful. Oh, oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that sounds like a really like you know like a shitty inspirational Facebook quote that we've put in Times New Roman in front of the shot of, like a picture of a sunset. Be- beautiful is beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Hey, there we go. <laughs> that was oh, bad. Yeah. That was not bad. Really? Um, oh, well, you know, it was better. Um, <laughs> I think that it's around this point the film starts to shift gears a little bit because it's oh, at that point yeah. that we lose contact. Well, we, we temporarily lose contact with uh, Sixpack, and then eventually they find him and he's recovered. This oh, kind of no, he falls off a he falls off a ravine and then he lands in like a weird forest of sea cocks. Yes, that's right. Like <laughs> I don't. I d- I still don't know what that was all about. What were those things? They're like long, tendrily. They're sea, like coral, deep sea coral. Yeah. Well, they're like <laughs> deeper than anybody's ever actually gone, right? Like this is like future. Like it's set in the future, right? It's. I think. Uh, I think actually, when I was doing my my research on this, I think it's set sometime around about twenty twenty five. Oh, so is it? It's actually in the very very near future. Oh, yeah, but it was miles away at the time. But yeah, okay, okay. Well, then we're probably pretty soon gonna discover some sea. So just 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 you wait. Um, We're about six or seven years away from discovering mighty seacocks. (laughs) Mighty (laughs) seacocks. No, but um, yeah. So they're like super, super deep in the ocean. So I think it's Mm -hmm. like supposed to represent that it's something we've never seen before. Yeah, like who knows what's down there? (laughs) Uncharted. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'm googling seacocks just just to see. Don't put that into Google Image Search. Whatever you do. Actually. Uh, it's a football team. This. Well, there you go. Oh, did, 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 did you get? A, did you mean the Seahawks? Yeah, but I, I typed in Seahawks. No, listen, I typed in Seahawks, and the first image that comes up is the Seattle Seahawks it's logo. What's no, listen, to- it's the logo, but the beak of the the hawk is a dick. Oh my god, that's amazing! Amazing. Um, I feel- what it's done there is Google has assumed you've mistyped that. No, no, but no. But then no. the algorithm has went no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. On the contrary, no. she she definitely meant seacocks. <laughs> no, I wrote seacocks. That's yeah. amazing. That See looks- this podcast, you learn every day. You never know. I feel yeah. where where it's gonna go. I feel like when we, I feel like when we post this, we should add that picture into the like yeah. montage of pictures that we put well, up. If you can send me that photo, we'll get that shared. Um, that would oh be, yeah, that would be, you're that literally. Would be <laughs> that has to be done. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So uh, six pack comes back on board with his. Um... Wait, no, you've missed a whole section there. Oh. He goes on the Russian. On the Leviathan. Sub- yeah, on the Leviathan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Lead the way. That's sorry, like a sorry, huge Blair. part. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, boy. Basically, anyway, what he's yeah, doing—he's so- doing a salvage operation, yeah. much like uh, when uh, the, the the characters go onto the derelict spaceship in Alien. Oh, come on now. <laughs> no, but no, but the big part you missed is they find like a seed. Is it a CD or a? floppy disk or it's a, it's a video tape it's a vhs cassette oh, if you, if you recall tape. them yeah, yeah. in 2025 they're still using videotapes <laughs> but but then uh, you said the leviathan crashed in the 60s oh well maybe it was the maybe the leviathan crashed in like modern day when the film was made like 1989 but like the movie set in 2025 i think that that must be it although i don't know i can't remember uh, yeah I, I don't want to get into nuts and bolts of that but yeah anyway you were saying regardless they're on a soviet shipwreck and they find this information that crew log yeah. and everybody's dead pretty much yeah 
And in the process, six pack almost dies himself. Yeah, that's a close call. Yeah. I, gen- I, I I was fully braced. Is it not? Is it not a little? It's pretty tense, right? That whole scene. That well, is, yeah, out, is 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 the running out of oxygen. These uh, diving suits, uh, they only have thirty minutes of oxygen. They, they they tell us that there's only thirty minutes of oxygen. So obviously the stakes are quite high from the minute you go into the water. Yeah. So you need to move quite quickly. And six pack, he's off in the ship, fannying about, and uh, Willie. <laughs> has to go to his rescue. Um, another strong leadership moment from Beck, by the way, when, uh, you know, when it's obviously, it's like a life or death situation, but it could be a case of two alive or two dead kind of thing. And at one point he just says to Willie, he's just like, you've got one minute to get out of there. And it's like, yeah, okay, man, I respect that. It's a tough call that he's making. And he, he does, in fairness, salvage a fair amount of stuff. He uh, comes back with a lot of research, the videotape and a sinister hip flask. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like, so yeah, there's two, like there's a hip flask full of a mysterious substance and the vodka. Are both on the um, things that they bring back, right? Oh yeah, they bring out the vodka. I forgot about that part. Pretty weird. Now the the only muddy part in my mind, since I'm a terrible guest on your show and I didn't watch the movie <laughs> beforehand, you're holding your own better. Re- I've seen this movie actually a lot, but not in a while. But when you asked me what movie, it literally was what movie I would choose. It was literally the first one that came to mind because so many people have never seen it because it came out the same year as The Thing. As The Abyss. No, it came out as... No, it came out in 1989. The Thing came out in 82, 83. Um, Oh, really? So it came out the same year as The Abyss. In fact, Stan Winston... Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. The special effects on this film are done by Stan fucking Winston. He uh, didn't work on The Abyss to work on Leviathan. Really? Yeah, he picked Leviathan over the abyss. Uh, over rather than work. Why with... do you have disdain when you say that? I no. Don't, no, no, no. I just think it's an inter- it's interesting. It's certainly yeah. an interesting, an interesting fact that rather than work with James Cameron again, um, having worked with him loads, uh, he made the decision to then come and work on Leviathan. Leviathan. And that's a testament to how good this movie is. He chose this movie over the abyss, the abyss? because Leviathan is way better than the abyss. <laughs> And then he fucking phoned it in. Isn't that the point of this fucking show? Yes. I'm supposed to defend this movie, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. You're doing yeah. Why is Andy... Why are you chuckling? <laughs> no, no. I think, like... <laughs> uh, Am I not doing what your guests are supposed to do? Very much so. No, no, no. You're not. Okay. Gold star for me. No, anyway. Um, um, so, yeah. So, not long after, we get... No, what I was going to say... Oh, yeah. Go, I'm go, sorry. go. I'm American. I can cut you off. So, why... The only thing I can't remember is how do they actually get... Like or start? Does anybody remember that? I think it's to do with drinking the the vodka. Yeah, because it's not actually clear, right? They never really like say directly. Six packs where it came from. Six packs swigging it directly from the hip flask, and he. Uh, what's her name? Bowman? Bowman, yeah. Bowman comes in, and they're kind of talking. He's kind of in his little pod bed thing, and uh, he pours out a glass full of this weird liquid yeah and it zoom the camera zooms in really tight like macro lens tight yeah you get this the, kind of on this... the pouring of this liquid into the glass yeah so, it's like a very purposeful kind of like this is important yeah shot. so we can only assume that it's something to do with a liquid yeah because they're the first two people to get infected so that checks out that tracks but rather than explain it they just got on with it and i think that's fine yeah because i mean <laughs> oh yeah i think i think it's like i think it's yeah it's it's I'm pretty sure, like I'm ninety percent sure that's what it is. I think that it's you. So you see him drinking from the hip flask, and then he pours it into a glass for Bowman. How it spreads after that, I don't know. But basically, I think that yeah, they're the first two to get well, infected. Bowman and Bowman and Sixpack then are infected in that same moment. So it makes sense then that they're the first two to go. Yeah, that's and everyone right. after that fact then is attacked by big tentacles, or they've got uh, teeth in their hands. 
So yeah, but like that—that's your—that's your your kind of patient zero moment. Yeah, is I would that, say yeah. so. And I think it's easier just to do that. Fuck it, it's something to do with the, the vodka than it is to try and explain the signs. I, I think that a lot of the time that is better though. Like I think that without <laughs> without getting into kind of like because I mean like Blair, have you seen Contagion? Yes. Um. So I think that that film is so obviously that's another kind of outbreak movie. But I yeah. think that the thing that's boring about that is that every time it's threatening to get exciting, it gets bogged bogged down in like this kind of like scientific over explanation of the infection and the cause of it and stuff. Where basically what this does is establish that in like a twenty second show that doesn't no, that's why like in the out of like contagion or outbreak type movies i really like 12 monkeys okay because they don't really explain like at the end of that movie are we allowed to spoil shit oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah I mean, the, we'll, just, we'll, just show, we'll just show up right now yeah we head up there there's spoilers with everything yeah that, that could happen okay so yeah so the end of it actually it's one of my favorite scenes in, in any movie so when the bad scientist guy is at the airport and like the at the time it was a tsa agent or whatever it is the agent at the airport opens the little briefcase and like opens the vial and it just cuts to this close-up of the bad guy's face and he just has this smirk and it's like yeah i didn't release the shit you did i don't know it just always is kind of freak me out like that little scene that little interaction because it would be that simple to release like a super form of ebola and and, and I, also fuck the tsa so uh, i really like outbreak outbreak <laughs> yeah dustin hoffman rainy do so um oh yeah i haven't seen that in a while but what you're saying about that i think it's kind of the same here is that kind of you, that's all you need to know, and that's that's all yeah. that's all you need to show, right. and to kind of get that across. And I think that yeah, that's what they do here. And um, six pack, I would say like he deteriorates pretty quick after eight that. hours. He dies in eight hours. He dies in eight hours. There we go. It says so in the film. That is pretty. That is pretty rapid. But Bridget doesn't go as slow as that. No, as quickly as that. But well, she she kills herself. She kills, she kills herself. herself. That's yeah, true. Of she, course, of course, she does. She sees the weird. There's like a weird pussy open sore thing on six pack's arm, and she thinks, "Fuck that." Um, yeah, which and she killed herself. Absolutely, I'm absolutely down with that. Like, no fucking way. So, uh, yeah, she she offs herself to avoid. Going and down. her hair is already falling yeah. out. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and she's. Got- but that's where the sex element comes in, because if I remember correctly, he drinks the vodka, and then they have sex. And I feel like that's how it spread. Am I like pulling shit out of my ass now? I don't I think. Feel they, like that's I don't think happened. that. I don't think they bang. I don't know if that's shown. Um, it's or not implied. Shown, it's implied. I feel like everyone finds six pack almost completely <laughs> repellent. <laughs> well, I think. Well, I think maybe. No, I. What I remember is they had a thing. Like they were flirting the whole time. I wouldn't call it flirting. <laughs> but no, what, um, there there is a kind of there is a kind of weird scene after. I mean, and I think I don't want to I don't want to gloss over uh, Bridget's death scene because it's pretty harrowing. It's, it's very harrowing. It's so yeah. I hate it. It's yeah, it's pretty heavy going. I remember actually because like I mean I was kind of like I I was I was pretty into it at this point, but I was also I was kind of enjoying it in kind of a light kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, even when Six Pack dies, I think that like I think the tone of the film is still kind of it's not overly dark. So when she kills herself in the scene where they find her body in the shower, it's so unbelievably heavy that it does get jars in a really big way. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of leaves you like fuck. Like this film has these well, really serious moments. Well, I think moments. that's the I think that the mark of a good horror film is when you the audience starts to feel unsafe themselves and like. I feel like when I first saw this film and I, or when I was a little bit older and I saw the film and I understood tone and all that stuff uh-huh. more, when her death happens, you just feel like anything can happen at this point in the movie. 
So it's like the stakes are higher. It's a little more scary. Yeah, I think I think it, I think it shifts gears pretty identifiably there. We have that scene where, like, I think, because they established that uh, he's that uh, six packs died, but they're not going to tell the rest of the crew as to not scare them. Yeah. So you have that really, you have that kind <laughs> of like that kind of awkward scene where uh, where Jones comes in and yeah. has this kind of he Ernie, tries to have yeah. this... Ernie Hudson doesn't know that he's dead. Yeah, and he comes in trying to have this banter with this guy <laughs> who he thinks is just kind of like knocked out or comatose. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he's basically yeah, just a, a creepy scene it's, too. Yeah. It's a good scene because um, you kind of you, you assume he's dead as well. You don't know there's a mutation or an active mutation at this point, and then the body moves under the sheet. He's basically a big bag of tentacles under there by this point, and but, it kind of just it kind of moves uh, as you would expect, and he just assumes that, that he's like trying to get asleep, uh, or he's kind of obviously he's, he's like restless. He's, he's pretty ill, so he thinks, oh fuck, I'm I'm disturbing him, so he kind of just creeps away, not knowing that he's basically just a big ball of slime under there yeah um, but this film has some really effective bits in it one bit i thought was really effective in a really fun way is when the the kind of thing type blob that uh, that was bowman and six pack is put in the body bag and they're kind of trying to transport the body bag to shoot it out into the sea and there's like the, the, the kind of remaining six guys are kind of carrying the body bag on their shoulder and then it's starts to move really slowly while they're carrying it and they're like this is fucking moving they're like no 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 you're imagining it and then it gets more and more until tentacles are busting ripping out of it and but i I thought that was a really fun effective scene yeah also the uh okay so are we at the point where we can talk about the creature or yeah yeah yeah, you can we can yeah we can jump ahead that's fine the the creature is pretty much in the minute it bursts out that body bag the creature's in in full swing anyway yeah it's in play so i'm assuming annie doesn't like the creature i like parts of the creature you don't like the very end the end is so so goofy i don't think so (laughs) when you see all their faces like melded to the fucking thing i I, think that's so (laughs) creepy i just think that stuff works really well in the darkness of the station yeah not not so much in the, the cold light of day in the in the middle of the ocean it is like broad ass daylight yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like sun up crystal clear day of this big fucking mad monster yeah that is a weird choice huh what the, the broad daylight big creature yeah. reveal like literally there's nothing around it's the blue ass sky it's <laughs> It reminds me of the Kraken in Clash of the Titans, the, like the original Clash of the Titans. It's got that same level of kind of Ray Harryhausen goofiness about it. But I a find bit, yeah. I find it quite endearing. It's at it's the same time. It's a bold move. That's is is, why I would yeah, say it absolutely is. I just want to quickly touch on uh, Doc's got a really informal and laid back relationship with his PC uh, when he uh, he's basically trying to figure out what's going on by typing in his PC. The PC's responding very much like a computer. It's going, analysis indicates organism of unknown origin. And he's typing things back like, give me a break. This isn't first year biochem. It's just, it's a really nice, friendly relationship between a man and his PC. It's 2025, man. They can have, they can oh, have that guess, kind of banner. Yeah, yeah, can probably. Yeah, they're, they're, they're old drinking buddies. <laughs> old pals. <laughs> I guess when you're down there for that long with some people who you don't you you don't get to pick the people you're there with, insufferable people like six pack cutting about. You need to form friends where you can find them. Yeah, <laughs> that actually that element I don't remember at all. But now that you said it, um, yeah, that is kind of weird. I um I think that there's there's quite a lot of practical effect stuff that goes on in the kind of like oh you know another oh, yeah. random thing in this movie that I kind of love and it's just like a small detail like the computer thing is at the very end when Peter Weller and the girl are are saved and they're on the ship <laughs> and um, yep. the 
the, you know what I'm about to say? Yeah, I don't go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And the the lady, the bad lady, she's like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're alive. And he just clocks her. <laughs> and he's like, like do, doesn't say a fucking word, just like punches her out. And she just goes, wham. And like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she, she's like I, so I, are you okay? Satisfying. And he's like, I am now. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, like uh, the the exchange is, he, uh, she comes out and she's like, oh, I knew you'd make it. And then she says, how do you feel? And he like knocks her out and he's like, better, much better. And it just cuts the credits yes. immediately. At the same time, though, that. it is quite jarring and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like Immediately I thought, she's going to hit him. I actually, uh, she's like, going to hit her. I didn't expect it to be Peter Weller that hits her. I fully expected it to go like all the way dark at the end, you know? Because like by that time, you know that the company had already f- framed it, that they'd all died under accidental or mysterious circumstances. Again, crew expendable, like I, I genuinely wondered if she would just kill them both mm. to preserve really? the lie, you know? Because like they'd already framed it, like the company had already saved face and stuff like that. I was wondering if she was just going to kill them and they just dumped the bodies in the ocean. I went to the darkest place dumped imaginable. the bodies in the ocean? Could she not just shot them in the ocean and well, left them in the ocean? It's extremely easy to dump them in the ocean when you're on a boat. But you know what I mean? Like, I think, but, like, um, genuinely, that I think my mind went to the darkest possible place because I kind of just assumed that the end would have more of a stinger. In a way, it was kind of refreshing when it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it ends... It, well, it doesn't end in a, in a good note at all. Everyone else is dead. But uh, it ends on a, I guess kind of like deep blue sea it ends with that same kind of feeling where and i actually so funny you just brought that up because deep blue sea was one of my other movies on in my head that if i couldn't do leviathan it would have been probably deep blue sea okay deep blue sea is great oh i love deep blue sea i like um i really like de jesus okay the who you know <laughs> de jesus the, the the hispanic crew member oh jesus he uh i just i, I really like him he he all he wants to do is get the fuck off of this station understandably it's hellish to me that is my idea of hell god being stuck down there with people that i haven't chosen to be down there with scares the bejesus out of me and all he wants to do is get the fuck out of there and go to gestad and go skiing and i think that's quite nice that yeah, that that's what's keeping him going through all of this. Even when he was dying within the first twenty seconds of the fucking film, in his head he's going, "Just get through this, get to Gestad." He's another character you get you get to learn quite a lot about. So now you see it. Yeah, and he's got a, he's he's obsessed with his jigsaw. There's a moment where Ernie Ernie Hudson knocks over his jigsaw and he says that it took him like thousands and millions of hours but there's like 150 200 pieces in it <laughs> it's like a child's jigsaw what you're saying about the characters being like pretty well fleshed out as we're talking about it and kind of coming around to agreeing with i think Blair. yeah i know i'm right so, <laughs> <Fair> um, <enough. laughs> well then also uh, also the i really like the soundtrack in the movie um, by jerry goldsmith uh, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith. He, he who did the Omen and Gremlins. Like so yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really fucking legit people on this film. I know, right? Ron Cobb did the production design. Uh I mean, again, Stan you Winston. You literally have Robocop, a Ghostbuster, mm-hmm. the Thief from Home Alone. <laughs> Stan Winston effects. Uh, yeah, like, then, it's solid. Uh, the underwater stunt work was done by Bobby Rhodes, who played Tony the Pimp in Demons. What? <laughs> Boom, there you go. It's going okay. a little, just going a little deeper there. <laughs> yeah. But that, yeah, that but alone, no, like, but, but like, it's it it an Irish co, uh, an Irish, it is an Italian co-production. But there's, there's like, so, but there's names and there's like credentials in front of and behind the camera here. Yeah, sort of saying, I think. It's, yeah, some of the biggest. It's legit. Yeah, some of the I, biggest. I, during some of the, the biggest time. at the time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. At the time. This film had a twenty million dollar budget. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, that's forty, about forty million, and now money. 
but it only made 15. No, it wasn't well received, and I don't know anybody that has seen it. Like, I think the big problem with it is it came out the same year as The Abyss. But when I was but when I was this, younger, I remember when The, the Abyss came out. This one is like for me. I don't know why, but Leviathan was is like more edgy for some reason to me, and I. I think it has to do with six pack. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, well, I, I think it's a, it's the only one out of them. It's, I mean, certainly the Abyss and Deep Star Six. It pushes way harder down the horror road. Yeah, and uh, well, and like we were talking about the suicide scene, like that. There's a lot of moments in this movie that are just like really guttural. That I don't know, you don't get in a lot of science fiction movies. I, mean, I think the hat, the the tooth, the mouth on the hand seems pretty gnarly. The that, what? That's my. That's uh, when a, when a Hector Elizondo's character uh, develops a, a mouth on his hand. Yeah, like when. Oh yeah. Like that's my. I think that's possibly. I, there are like there are bigger and more ambitious practical effects moments in the film, but I think that that's my favorite. When he opens his palm and you just see the teeth, I think that's cool. That's brilliant. It's possibly my favorite moment in the whole thing. Actually, now I think about it. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing too. It's like it's all practicals and camera and. I, you know, I, all of Andy's films have practicals, all my films have practicals, and, like, I have always seen this movie as, like, a really good practical effects film, mm. and the fact that, like, so many of my friends have never seen it that are, like, have such a hard-on for The Thing or Legend and all these other, like, super, like, well-respected practical effects movies, like, I don't know, it's just the underdog and that's why I picked it. I think that's a good reason to want to bring it to people, yeah. and I'm kind of hoping that like, we, we've done pretty well so far with people about when people have suggested films and come with them, people have gone and seek them out. So hopefully that'll happen with this too. And I people... mean, it's not even comparable. It's like whoever chose Rawhead Rex, like really, like Leviathan. It's just a good movie. Rawhead Rex is stupid. That <laughs> is stupid. There's, I want to have. There's, another... no, there's no two ways about it. I want to. I want to have another episode where Duncan argues with Blair about Rawhead Rex and Duncan loses. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, on this effects crew, you've got Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff Jr. on there, who yeah. went on to do and I act- every oh, Alien what? film. Side story, side story, side story. Okay, so I was in L.A. last year, and I went to uh, a little... It was, like, at this little tiny comic book shop. Shout out to Morgan and Adam for taking me. In Hollywood, and Alec Gillis was there. Um, nice. What was he just... ADI, right? Yeah, Studio ADI. Was he just hanging out there, or...? No, no, no. It was a, it was a panel... Of Alec oh. Gillis and the guy that made the original Pennywise from okay. it. Oh, nice. And then Alec Gillis did the new one. And they were discussing Pennywise, like the practicals of Pennywise. And I waited around and I went up to Alec Gillis and I asked him about Leviathan. And we talked for about five minutes about the movie. And he even himself said it was one of my favorite ones to work on. I wouldn't. So, boom. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that people had a good time making this. How could you not? <laughs> <laughs> Again, like the team, like the the cast and crew on this movie is like legit. Yeah, I agree, Blair. Where I think that, like, um, I think that it's becoming pretty apparent that we're going to come around to pretty much fall in line with you. But uh, any closing statements? I think we're missing no, but... something pretty fucking important. Oh, okay. The, 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 oh the, shit! The film takes a pretty swift diversion towards the end to become in a Jaws homage. Oh, there is a Jaws moment at the end for sure, <laughs> which yeah. is amazing. It's this, it's this, it's the smile you son of a bitch moment in it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Oh, the... <laughs> okay, yeah. What is... Do you have the line? I do have the line. Uh, so rather than smile, you son of a bitch, uh, Buckaroo Band's eyes in the in the ocean, and he throws it's like a pipe bomb. Yeah, it's sides uh, dynamite something. Yeah, throws like a pipe bomb into the mouth of the big. Uh, the the alien kind of looks like a grouper. 
a gold pot, kind of throws it out. It does kind of have a fish feel, doesn't it? Oh, it's very yeah, fishy. Very, it's very. made apparently it's made up from all different parts of all different fish. The visual okay, record. Okay. Um, but he throws uh, this pipe bomb and he goes, "Say hi, you motherfucker." And, uh, so, so you would never get that into a Spielberg movie. Yeah. And, uh, and then it blows up in a big uh, blood fountain, much yeah. like the end of Jaws. And yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's a satisfying moment, it is. I, I don't sure. care what you do in the water. At the, any film that has the end scene set in the water where your, your protagonist kills your antagonist in a fountain of blood, if you don't have something that takes the piss out of Jaws or is an homage to Jaws, then you've done it wrong, and that's totally what that is as well, isn't it? It's like it's like it's a Joshua match, and it's a and it's a loving one, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think I knew exactly what Absolutely. they were doing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, Blair. Anything, anything else you want to add? No, this has been so fun, and I hope people watch the movie. Oh, you know another movie while I'm here that okay. So if you're listening, whoever you are, watch Leviathan, obviously. Watch Deep Blue Sea, and then my other choice was Event Horizon, okay. which is weird that I am going after these like sci-fi or like underwater claustrophobic ones. But I feel like those are super underrated movies. I don't know why people don't like those movies. Those scare the ever-living shit out of me. Event Horizon is still, in my opinion, still holds up as one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Now the play is a solid triple bill. Oh yeah, I think. And Event Horizon's a better Hellraiser four than Hellraiser four. Agreed. Oh my god, yeah. Andy. <laughs> yep. Okay, so what 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 are your closing? I just wanted to say uh, that they would definitely get the bends at the end if uh, forty seven meters down. And Don't uh, a, film, a film that you love, Mitch. If Don't 40... f- don't fucking get me started in 47 meters down. But yeah. <laughs> the 47 meters down taught us nothing. It's that they would definitely get the bends. And Under a setback. I just wanted to say, uh, I just wondered why, if anyone had any thoughts on why you would need enormous flamethrowers in a subaquatic mining colony. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, when... Because they're cool? <laughs> now, I will absolutely say flamethrowers are cool. Uh, and I would love... If anyone... Have you ever used one in real life? Well, that's what I'm going to say. If any listeners out there can find an avenue for me to fire a flamethrower, okay, I would fucking I have... love that. Wait, wait, what? I have used a flamethrower before. So my ex was really into weapons. Okay. So there was about a good two solid years of my life where I fired or threw or stabbed pretty much every type of weapon there is. Okay. Like AR-15s and everything. Anyway, we went to this gun range and fired um, a flamethrower. Well, and it was epic. Cool. I was going to say, I mean, like that must there be the go. most satisfying thing. America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if anyone can get me a flamethrower or uh, facilitate me in the... Uh, in the throwing and, of flames. Yeah, that's a dream. So, no, I would say that um, on first watch, I thought... I, I like this quite a lot. Uh, the first half in particular, I think, uh, when it was kind of setting the scene and the kind of tension in the build, I was really into that. I was... Um, yeah, I think that as it kind of opened up and as it shifted gears, I thought, like, there's a kind of a patch in the middle where I kind of felt like it sagged a little bit. And then as it kind of amps up the practical stuff, I enjoyed it. I didn't need much convincing off the back of this one, to be honest. But you've still made a, you've still made a good case, though. Yeah, I absolutely fucking loved it. <laughs> Yay! I thought I, I thought it was amazing. Um, I thought it was gonna go one or two ways with you. I I thought you were either gonna hate it and be like an absolute dick about it because of the effects, or you were gonna really like it. I thought the effects were really good up until the the cold light of day reveal of the. <laughs> but um, I think that, and I think we've spoken about this before on the show, but I think that in a lot of ways, practical effects, whether they're super good or not, 
I think that practical effects are almost destined to age better than CGI. Because yeah. like bad CGI from a film from like nineteen ninety seven looks like way worse. The Abyss? Uh, like that <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I watched. I was talking, telling you this the other day, much that I watched Mortal Kombat for some oh fucking God. for some fucking reason. I watched Mortal Kombat, and the wow. the, the CGI effects in that but, have not aged well at all. No, this is like this is exactly what I'm saying. It's like I think that like uh, bad CGI from the '90s say is going to age much worse than even halfway bad practical effects from the '80s. I think there's a timeless quality to practical effects that it's going to mean it's going to eventually win the day over CGI. Yeah. I hope anyway. I've always been I've been the biggest proponent of in camera effects my whole life. Yeah, I think nothing nothing has changed. Especially in the, I think especially in the genre that we're all here to talk about, I think that there's a lot of affection for that. Yes. Uh Blair, it has been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for stopping in. Is there anything that you'd like to take a minute to let everybody know about? Let everybody know how they can keep up with you on social media, anything like that? Right. Yeah. So um we're shooting um thirty five uh new episodes of Fear House. And for those of you that don't know, Fear House is a independent horror anthology that I produce and host myself with international short horror films that I curate like Andy's. Thank you. And you can see two of Andy's films currently on on the show. But yeah, so we're doing that. And that's super awesome because we've got some really fantastic directors coming in to shoot the wraparounds with us again and um we still haven't even released uh last year we had lucha gore come in and do six episodes with us so that's pretty cool oh, nice and then other than that i just got back from can and had a interesting experience there <laughs> and kind of had uh, an epiphany that i'm going to i'm going to start doing some work on a on a feature film Great. That I've meant meant to do for a long time and have neglected, and uh, I'm just gonna go for it. And uh, yeah, and I'll be at Fright Fest. Oh, there we go. Oh, excellent. Again, sweet. Again, yeah, again. Yeah. That's great. And um, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. Oh yeah. So everything's uh, either Fear House, H A U S, or Blair Bathory, B A T H O R Y. Yeah, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> oh, there you go. Blair, thanks so much for stopping by and talking Leviathan with us. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, Blair. We'll see you in August. So, pretty compelling arguments, I think, from Blair tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Loved it. Yeah, I would say, I think, uh, unanimous thumbs up for uh, Leviathan. If you haven't mm-hmm. checked it out by now, why not? But uh, <laughs> Fucking right, why not? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you do have some options. But try, uh, get your, uh, try, if you can get your hands on that one, I would recommend it. So, um, feedback section. We do have another oh. one of those. So, we've got a couple of things. Um, obviously, Less ne- this time. Well, it's never going to be, because uh, we were catching up on the first couple of oh, weeks of course, of last course. time. So, um, first off, a couple of things about detention. Actually, mm-hmm. just about a couple of episodes in general so we did actually have one ref the buckaroo banzai episode oh i I thought it was quite a funny observation it's from it seems so long ago i know i know early days (laughs) historical um it was from civvy 1312 on uh, instagram uh neil got in touch and pointed out that at multiple times multiple junctures during that episode i say the words for clarity and try to pull it linear again and kind of get us back on the right path, and eventually you can tell that I just give up. <laughs> That's a bit like pissing into the wind. It is a little bit, and I think <laughs> trying like, to instill clarity into Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, and, and it's trying to <laughs> distill, distill, um, introduce clarity into our conversation about total blind alley. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that I think around about it's apparently around about two thirds of the way, and I just throw in the towel and uh, embrace the madness, Sen- perhaps sensibly. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, as regards uh, detention, we had um, some comments from Stephen Keith on Facebook. Uh, 
uh, well, originally he uh, posted up just that he'd he dug the film out to watch it ahead of watching the mm-hmm. episode. And uh, he said, those strong language and violent scenes, guys, have me watching another, air quotes, belter. I wait to listen to the podcast to see if I can get to grips <laughs> with whatever that was. Mitch, you best have explained yourself for this one. Belter was certainly your words. Uh, yeah, I think the, to be. the air quotes would be yours. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I don't know if he came up for a con. Um, he said, genuinely may need to watch this again. Uh, feels like a proper style over substance, but the script has too many belters, my words, uh, for that to really be the case. So conflicted, yet in reality, I know it's not a very good film. Correct. Ah, correct. So, um, hero. That guy's a hero. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's landed somewhere in between. I feel well, like. He's my hero, seeing as I've, I've had very little support in this. Thank you, by the way, to everybody who's got in touch in their, with their overwhelming support. Um, so uh rawhead rex we had a couple of things um i don't have the exact quote but um uh, our good friend darren gaskell darren underscore gaskell on twitter got in touch and uh is he over hyphenating again uh he's not over hyphenating he's got that to minimum he's he's now observing the rules which is good yeah but uh no he got in touch and he spoke a bit about rawhead rex but one thing that he said that i thought was really funny he was talking about how uh blase is in its treatment of its ancillary characters in that Mm -hmm. it just introduces someone and kills them five minutes later and that happens multiple times throughout which i completely agree with like friday the 13th part five again like like very like friday the disposable disposable characters everywhere yeah it's the it's the way for it's like buying clothes at pre-mark you buy them knowing that they're essentially disposable and it's not a big loss if they go the shelf life on this is pretty limited it's not a big loss if they go missing or they get covered in lasagna (laughs) precisely or enchiladas (laughs) enchiladas um so uh i had a (laughs) ahead of the announcement uh when we announced to say that blair had chosen uh, Leviathan tonight we had a little bit of Twitter stuff as well I think did we yes from once again Tenshi San 73 Chris Angel thanks so much for getting in touch uh, again Chris not the magician um, who suggested actually that uh, we should have a triple bill or that he rather should have a triple bill with this Deep Star 6 and Deep Rising which is pretty fucking good if I'm honest that's quite the lineup. it's pretty good that he said that actually uh, did he ever, was that all did he have anything to add or is it um, that was kind of the just basically that that he watches and also that he watches the abyss pretty fairly regularly. This seems to be a man with a love of aquatic horror. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and similarly, actually, um, we had another uh, um, we had another comment from um, our good friend Random Elements. Oh, I uh, on Instagram. Uh, who, when he cottoned on that it was uh, Leviathan, we were talking about. This um, just just a general observation that I quite enjoyed. Uh, said that 1989 was the year of the underwater alien ripoffs. Uh, I loved it. Leviathan, Deep Star Six, the Rift, and the remake of Humanoids from the Deep were all banking on the Abyss's success at the box office. So that touches in. Uh, quite a lot of the stuff we were talking about in the main in the main po- in the main episode tonight. The Abyss was a massive success. It was. And <laughs> so there you go. I mean, like, uh, and I think it's an interesting one. I think that Leviathan, it's got the feel of a kind of black sheep of those kind of films. It's kind of it kind of feels like a little bit of a grittier alternative. I'd say Deep Star Six is the tud. Really? Yeah, it's the it's the it's like it's like a Bart's deformed brother from The Simpsons, the Halloween episode. Hugo. Absolutely, Hugo. It's yeah, the Hugo. It's the Hugo. Yeah, that's the, the tud in the bunch. I would say. And I think that what we can agree on is that the tud in the bunch is definitely not Leviathan. The tud in the bunch is not Leviathan. I would actually watch Leviathan before all of them except for Deep Rising which I love I was just going to say that I'll probably of the of that set I would be more inclined to watch Leviathan again than I would to rewatch The Abyss The Abyss is quite poor faced it is a wee bit isn't yeah. it yeah 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 even though there's some pretty heavy stuff in Leviathan at the end of the day 
it knows what it is and it kind of like I say it wears its, it wears its kind of references on its sleeve it's fine with that yeah, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely I, fine with it. I think it embraces its own weirdness in a way that I find quite endearing. I'm surpri- I was quite surprised to see how much, uh, uh, how into uh, Six Pack Blair was. Same, I actually. thought that he would be yeah. considered a far more reprehensible character amongst women. You know, there you I, listen, I, I find him to be pretty reprehensible. Yeah, I thought, so, um, yeah, I thought, no. he, I thought he was a dong. <laughs> so there you go. Well, there you have it. Yeah. That's a powerful choice of noun. <laughs> And on that charming note, I think it's just about time that we called it a night. So thank you, as always, for joining us this evening. And thank you especially to uh, Fearhouse's Blair Bathory for joining us to talk Leviathan with us. So, of course, we will have our next mini-sode dropping on Monday morning. Morning again. So yeah. uh, join us for that if you can, at which point, of course, we will be announcing our next guest and our next film for our next full episode, which will drop on Friday. And um, keep an eye out. You never know what will appear in between. And if you want to get in touch ahead of that, feel free free to do so you can get in touch all sorts of ways on social media uh, tell me what those ways are Mitch I just so happen to have a list it's so funny you should ask uh, on Facebook and Instagram you can get us at Strong Language Violent Scenes you can tweet us at Strong Violent PC and you can also of course email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com we do love hearing from you and it's Tim Call tonight I think time me head home uh, from the sweat box of a room I'm going to oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really is a sweat box Glasgow's going through something of a mini heat wave just now by Glaswegian standards absolutely a heat wave yeah. and we are sitting in a room that's been blasted with heat through a skylight for the whole day um so if you can imagine me and mitch are both sitting now like uh, john mcclain in our vests covered in sweat wow wow powerful imagery like do you remember do you remember a couple of weeks ago um barry barry dogarno got in touch on twitter and asked us if we had any designs on making this a video podcast that's exactly the reason that we don't like barry this is like i I appreciate the sentiment i do but this is precisely why we're not doing i use my navel as a peanut holder and over the course of the podcast i just eat peanuts out of my own navel wow colourful <laughs> <laughs> I was just momentarily yeah, stunned into complete want, silence I'm happy there. with you seeing me do these thing, things Mitch but I don't the, white, want, the general populace not so I much. don't want the listeners or as they would then be the viewers, the viewers yeah. to see me doing these really terrible things no but in the meantime don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds good night good night You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain, production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes and Podbean.